This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. I am not someone who lives to work. I'm a work to live person and I've always been that way. So when I'm at work, I do all of my work and I get it done. And when I'm not here, I honestly don't think about it much. And I don't know if that's something that bosses like to hear, but (laughs) when I go on vacation, I don't check my email. I don't check social media even. I'm out and I really enjoy other stuff besides work. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Seattle radio host and James Beard Award-nominated podcaster, Rachel Bell. I visited Rachel at Seattle's Cairo Radio Studios, where we recorded our interview. And let me tell you, Rachel is a busy lady. Not only does she host the popular segment Ring My Bell on Cairo Radio's afternoon drive show, The Ron and Don Show, and act as the station's feature reporter, but she's essentially a one-woman podcast producing show for her Your Last Meal podcast, often listed as one of iTunes' top food podcasts and one of my favorites. Rachel and I talked about how she pretty much hates being inside and how she keeps her energy up anyway while working at a desk job instead of quitting and becoming a park ranger work-life balance, and how Rachel makes it a priority, even with her long list of professional roles. What happened when Rachel asked for Fridays off and what gave her the courage to do it? Why working with a coach changed the way Rachel views what she can and can't do in her career, and a few celebrity food cliches that have turned out to be true in Rachel's interviews with celebrities like Alicia Silverstone and Dan Savage for her podcast. Enjoy the interview. Rachel Bell, I'm so excited to be talking to you. I'm going to try not to nerd out that we're like sitting here in the Cairo Radio studios. Yeah, you got to take a field trip today. I know. This is super professional. I know. Yeah. And the sound quality is going to totally reflect that. I'm sure my listeners are going to be like, what's that crap she's doing like after this? <laughs> <laughs> now you have to come in every week and do your podcast from the Cairo studios. I would love it. But thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Really. Yeah, of course. Super excited. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had known of you as a radio personality before, but I, you know, your podcast, Your Last Meal is when I really sort of just listening to you more and really loving it. And because I'm a food nerd, it, it, Woo-hoo! yeah, it's exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you do so much stuff professionally, uh, you know, the podcast, radio host, writer, commercial voiceovers, TV appearances, like how do you... Well, let me ask it differently. What is what does an average day look like for you? Let's start there because I like to sort of lay that groundwork. I know there is okay. no average, but <laughs> yeah, well, like average work day or like my whole day, your whole day. Okay, yeah, your whole day. Let's so do that. a because this is about health, so I, I thought a whole day yeah, that can, I can I like reflect it. my early morning stuff that I do. Um, so a few years ago, I started like really working out. I always worked out a little bit, but um, I started doing boot camp outside year round. So I usually get up in the six o'clock hour and I either go to outdoor boot camp or I go to Orange Theory. And that's Very what I do before. Very popular one right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hardcore. Yeah. It's hard. 
Uh, I, yeah. I don't do it anymore. I'm scared of it. So last week <laughs> they had this thing where I didn't know about it, but like during the week they were like, okay, so we're doing these special workouts. And if you do four in a row, you get a water bottle. And I was like, I want that water <laughs> bottle. Like, I don't know why I wanted it so bad. So on the last day I was like, I did my four workouts. Can I have my water bottle? And they were like, did you sign up first? I'm like, what? Oh, and I was no. like, well, can I just like, can I just have one anyway? And they're like, no, you have to wait. Seriously? Until every yeah. And I was like, this is the worst day of my life. Where is, it's so weird. I got really fixated on it because the workouts were so hard. It's like, I want my prize. Well, and so, sometimes that's all it takes to keep you going. Is like, it's like, you know, yeah. one, like the half, mar <laughs> half marathons that I've run. I'm like, I'm just, I want the medal. It's all about totally. that medal. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is a medal and water bottle form. So today, actually, right before you got here, I'd only told one other person about this and my coworker came in with the water bottle. He's like, <laughs> My girlfriend got one and she's giving it to you. Anyway, this is way off track. So I do that in the morning. Uh, and then I I don't have to be here until 10 usually, which is really nice. Um, but sometimes I come in earlier. And so I do a segment on the Ron and Don show called Ring My Bell, where I have to find three or four stories to talk about with them. So I spend a lot of time just looking at headlines and just finding stories that I want to talk about. So I do that for a while. I usually schedule my interviews either for feature stories or for the podcast earlier in the day because in the afternoon is when I'm on the air. So I might have an interview in the morning, either out of the building or in the building. So I do that. Sometimes I have multiple interviews and then I do a lot of audio editing. So I edit all those interviews. I do everything myself. I Oh, interesting. I, I choose all my own stories for my features, which are three to four minute kind of human interest pieces that I do a couple times a week. So I'm always just trying to find stories. That's something I'm doing throughout the day. And sometimes those come in from email tips or from PR companies, or I find something myself or a coworker has an idea. So I'm like scheduling interviews, doing the interviews, editing the interviews. Then I write the script and then I put the audio in and then I record it. Wow. You really do everything. I do. And then Joke. I present them on the air. And then after that, I actually have to like transcribe the interviews so I can, I podcast them myself and I put them up on the web and I do the photos. So it's a lot of work. I just, I'm like a one man band. And then, yeah, with the podcast, it's the same thing. I book the guests I schedule the interviews. I do the interviews. I edit most of the interviews. My producer helps me. Uh, and then we record that. And I don't know, is this too deep? No, not just, at all. Okay. I'm actually sitting here realizing like I, I, I'm i always feeling sorry for myself that I do everything for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for myself too. Don't worry, even though I have a producer. Like it's really hard sometimes. Yeah, it's not hard. It's just time consuming, time consuming because that's right. I don't like sitting and I don't like being inside. And so that's what this is, is me sitting at my desk, being inside just with headphones on editing. And I'm not saying this is hard, but it's just hard for my body the way yeah. that I am and my energy that I just get a little bit like lethargic sometimes so <laughs> to how be do honest. You, how do you handle that? Like that's what do you do to manage that? Because yeah, energy management's really hard when you're not someone who is um yeah, doesn't love to just sit on your butt all day. <laughs> I'm looking for the solution. I mean, that is why I work out partially is because if I don't move my body in the morning, it's like, you know, you walk from your house to the car you walk from your car to the office and then you walk from your office to the car and then maybe to a restaurant or whatever you do. It's like, you know, everyone counts their steps now. I could probably have like 50 steps in a day if that's what I did. So I have to work out. I go to yoga a couple times a week after work. I try to take a little break in the day and walk around, but I don't do it as much as I should. I am looking for that solution. I don't know. Cause I actually thought about like, maybe I should be a park ranger and nice. totally change careers. But I don't think that's the solution. And most of the jobs we do today involve sitting in front of a computer. So I'd love to know what to do. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. I, I think, I mean, it's a very common challenge with a lot of my clients and for myself too. I mean, what I do, <laughs> I try to break up my day so that I am not working in one place for more than a couple of hours, but like, that's not, that's not practical for most people. So like I'll yeah. be in my co-working space for a couple hours and then maybe I'll go work at home or go work at a coffee shop and whatever. So that helps me yeah. move around a little bit more. But I think for most people, like literally just setting a timer, the trick is then to listen to the timer, right? Like yeah. to actually get up and do something, which can be really, really challenging. So you're smart to get it done in the morning. And what time do you normally get out of here then? I usually leave here at six. Okay. So that's not too bad. No, it's not bad. So you have time for doing other things that you that you like to do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're, I hate the term work-life balance. I think it's a myth, but it kind of sounds like you have, do you feel like you have a good mix of things? I do because it's really important to me. I am not someone who lives to work. I'm a work to live person and I've always been that way. So when I'm at work, I do all of my work and I get it done. And when I'm not here, I honestly don't think about it much. And I don't know if that's something that bosses like to hear, but <laughs> when I go on vacation, I don't check my email. I don't check social media even. I'm out and I really enjoy other stuff besides work. Yeah, that's great. No, that's great to have that realization and to live it. Like you said, you prioritize it, right? And I yeah. think that that's the key. It's, yeah. it's sort of, you know, we all say, I don't have time to do X, Y, and Z and really know it's just that we haven't we haven't prioritized. Well, one thing that I did, which I wanted for years and I was afraid to ask for, and I finally did with the help of a career coach, actually, um, I asked for Fridays off and I nice. did not think that I was going to get them because I don't know anybody here who has a schedule like that. And my boss said, yes. And so I've been doing that for a year and a half. And for me, I would rather make less money and have more time. And having a four-day week has completely changed how I feel about work. It's like, I don't complain. Like, it's like, I only have four days and I have to really work it and pay attention and get everything done. But then I know that means I have a three-day weekend every yeah, week. I love that. I love that for a couple of reasons. One, you asked for what you needed. Which right? was hard. Which yeah. was hard, right? I mean, in... And you got it. Like, yeah. I think that happens nine times out of 10. Like, I feel like when we ask for what we need, especially when it comes to drawing boundaries around, yeah, I'm, again, I'm going to call it work-life balance for lack of a better term, hmm. but often we're able to do that. And yeah, why were we so afraid to ask? I know. Well, when I went to this career coach, I told her multiple things I wanted. And then she said, well, why have you not asked? And I gave all of these excuses. <laughs> and she said, I don't think any of those excuses are valid. And I was like, what? Sometimes you just need somebody else to kind of tell you that uh, because yeah. I would never have asked. And I asked for three things and I got all three of them. That's awesome. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> it really opened up my mind just to, yeah, asking because what's the worst that can happen is someone will say no. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. You're right. The coaching relationship. I mean, I have coaches too. So, and often I function as someone who's simply either reflecting things back to my clients. Like you just said, like that coach did for you. Like, yeah. well, what if you do this? Or yeah, giving permission, like creating that that space. Wait, you you know you could do that if you wanted. <laughs> totally, <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. So I'm curious. This is a totally slightly different topic, but in terms of your interviews for your podcast, your last meal, you talked to celebrities, and I'm I've listened to a few. Well, I've been binge listening because, as I told you, hmm. email I just recently discovered it, and uh, there've been a couple of interviews where food as self care has come up. Since the the topic for those who don't know, your last meal is is a food podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and food as self care has come up in a couple of you know your conversation with Mary Lambert and Jennifer Far Davis. Oh yeah, which obviously came with her. This is a like well you you can talk about, but I'm curious how often 
self-care comes up in these conversations, you know, because food is so central to that. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure about self-care, but I've discovered the cliche of Hollywood people being vegan is very true. So many vegans on the podcast. Yes. And, um, and one person I'm trying to think of his name. I just blanked. I'll have to look it up. He is a vegan, but for his last meal, he wanted a steak. So, you know, maybe (laughs) that's somebody who's not like morally vegan. It's just like, he's trying so hard, but he just really wants, okay. That's Kevin Allison, who, um, is host of the risk podcast. Oh yeah. um, yeah. He used to be on the state. Alicia Silverstone was really big into self-care and she's a vegan and eating well and talking about how much better she felt after she stopped eating meat and I guess dairy too, because she's a vegan. Yeah, it comes up a little bit, but when you ask someone their last meal, that seems to be like, what is, it's nothing to do with death. It's just, what's the food that's most important for you or what food do you love the most? So people tend to kind of go off of their regimen a little bit and want something really indulgent or really nostalgic for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what was it? Who was it? Dan Savage with the peanut butter and jelly? Was that that the right (laughs) one? Yes. Yes. Well, he wanted peanut butter and jelly because it was comforting, but then he also wanted his mom's pot roast because his mom passed away and he'll never be able to have it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's funny that you brought up Alicia Silverstone because I remember when I was listening to that or any other interviews with her where, you know, obviously for her, that lifestyle really works, you know, and I always, you know, caution people that it maybe it'll work for you, but it might not. And you have to sort of listen to your body to figure that out. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone. Some people really need, you know, animal protein. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm one of them, actually. I have a couple of friends who were lifelong vegetarians who now in their early 40s have started eating meat because they just need it. They don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's an energy management thing. And it just, you know, tuning into your body is the only way I believe is the only way to tell. Yeah. So, you know, continuing on with the food obsession, because I love food, which, you know, a lot of people are surprised by because, you know, I'm a health coach and I'm like, no, but I do what I do to a large extent because I love food and I hate when I see women have sort of adversarial relationships with food. Yeah. You know, me too. Um, but I also noticed that we share a love of travel and I travel because I want to eat. Me too. <laughs> so yes. Tell, yay. So yeah. tell me what's your, do you have a, a food find in your travels over the past, I don't know, year that was oh. super awesome or several? Let's maybe. See. I'm one of those people that I like to find weird stuff when I travel, as in I'll eat bugs. You know, I've eaten yes. horse sashimi. I've eaten guinea pigs. So I like to seek that kind of stuff out. And I'm not a thrill seeker in general. It's not like the roller coaster of eating. I just think it's interesting to eat things that are totally different than what we eat here, which is the kind of places I like to travel in general or places that are very different than where I live. I love places with jungles in general. I love Southeast Asia. And in the past year, though, last year, I, this was a self-care thing. I went on my first solo vacation, Ooh, fun. which I, I went to Portugal and Spain uh, and I went to do part of the Camino de Santiago, which is a pilgrimage walk in northern Spain that spans from France to Portugal. But I just did five days because I was by myself. It was the first time I was doing something like this. I just wanted to try it out. And yeah, it was like a little bit of a mental hurdle to get over of I'm going by myself. And part of that was thinking like, what are people going to think about me going by myself? which these are the things I started to realize. And I was like, wow, I care about what people think of me in that way. And I had the best time and I loved it. Uh, And then in Portugal, I went to a surf and yoga camp, which was awesome. And so the whole trip felt very self-carry because when I walked, you're walking and other people are walking and you can easily group up with people and kind of start traveling. But I realized I really wanted to be by myself. I loved the quiet. And when I would hear people walking by who spoke English, which wasn't that often, they were talking about everyday life. And I was like, I don't want to hear about everyday life. I don't want to hear about, 
your job and just like your kids and just, I want to be on vacation and just have quiet or just be in my own head. And that was so nice. And I struggle a little bit with like highs and lows. And I, I'm like, what's it like to be in the middle just to feel really content all the time. And that's how I felt doing the Camino was every morning when I woke up, I wasn't excited to walk, but I wasn't dreading it. I was like, this is my life now. I just get up and I walk and it just felt so good. And it was so nice. And so I guess a food discovery that I made on that trip was, so you're called a pilgrim when you're doing this pilgrimage trail and the restaurants along the way. So it's different than the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, where you walk to little villages and towns. So you sleep indoors. You don't camp, which was one of the appeals for me. Oh, yeah. So you don't, I don't have to, camp. You don't have to carry a big pack. <laughs> I love camping, but I was like, I don't want to carry a big backpack. Yeah. So the restaurants would have a pilgrim meal that you could choose, and it would be 10 euro usually, and it'd be a three-course meal. And on top of that, you could get wine and you'd have bread for 10 euro. And sometimes they would just put a jug of wine on the table and you could drink one glass or you could drink the whole thing and the whole price is included. <laughs> and the food was like, okay, but it wasn't that great, but it tasted good in the way that, you know, when you've been swimming all day or hiking yes. all day, you're like, this is so good, I guess. But for my dessert option, the first night I picked something called the Tarta de Santiago. And it was this super moist, very dense, almond cake that had this warm kind of citrus to it and Yum. powdered sugar on the top because they use a stencil and they put, I don't know what it is actually, some kind of traditional design. Mm -hmm. And after having this mediocre meal, this was just like, oh, what is this dessert? This is so good. And I started ordering it every single night. And then I got home and I started making it here and trying to perfect my recipe. <laughs> and I love this cake. It is so good. And it's really Sounds simple. Amazing. And you grind your own almonds. They're unbleached almonds. So you basically make your own almond flour and it's naturally gluten-free and it's naturally vegan. So you can serve it to anyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love this cake. Oh, I love that. Well, and I also love that it's so tied to your experience, right? Like part yeah. of the, the reason that you love it is probably because it was part of that experience. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I'm not a baker because I try to be in my cakes generally are dry and I can't figure it out. And this one, it's like, you can't mess it up. It's always very moist. Um, and, and associated with my podcast, I like looking into the history of food. And so I learned on this trip that in Portugal and this part of Spain, they use a lot of eggs in desserts and specifically egg yolks, because a long time ago, the nuns and the priests used to starch their collars with egg whites. Oh. So they had a lot of leftover egg yolks. And so they had to use them for something. And so oh. that's what they use for baking. So there's a lot of yolky rich desserts. Yum. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love that you, that you see that trip as self-care. I think that's right. I mean, are there other things that you would consider self-care that maybe wouldn't show up in like a book about health and wellness? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Cause I've never read one of those books. Maybe it's all <laughs> been covered. The thing for me that's most important. So I would have considered myself like almost a 100% extrovert. And the older I get, the more introverted I get. And you know, learning the definition was very helpful. It's not that you want to be quiet in the corner at a party. It's where you get your energy from. And extroverts get their energy from people. And introverts need time alone to, you know, restock your energy or whatever. Yeah. So I would say now I'm maybe like a 70% extrovert. So I need alone time. And if, if I don't get it, I get very cranky. So I pick at least one day each week, but usually only one day because I'm still extrovert and I do all this stuff. But one day a week, I don't make plans. And that's really important to me. I just need it. And I used to feel like I couldn't do it. Like if someone asked me to hang out on that day, I would feel like it wasn't a valid excuse. Yeah. Like I would just go, 
of like you were being a loser or something. Not a loser, but just like, oh, that's that's not a worthy reason to say no. They mm. would just think, why are you saying no? You don't have any other plans. But then I realized like you can you can decide what's a plan for yourself and nobody's going to care or fight against it. So yeah, I, I always keep one day and that is my greatest self-care. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that you're like, to your point, the understanding the definition of extrovert and introvert, I think is really helpful. For yeah. Who, especially for introverts, like understanding the, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're boring. Right. Or <laughs> antisocial because there's yeah. like extroverted introverts and introverted extroverts. And yep. yeah. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm pretty much smack dab in the middle is mm-hmm. what I have come to understand. And pretty much what I test on every one of the whatever, whatever test, Myers-Briggs and everything else. Yeah, like, yeah. Be right in the middle. Just like we were talking before we started about our um, Ayurvedic constitutions, we're both 50-50 pitavatas. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, and I was telling you I'm going to have an Ayurvedic expert on the podcast soon. Yeah. So There's a little tease. Yeah, exactly. A little tease for that. Hey there, it's Lara here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to invite you to my new monthly online workshop series designed to help you get out of your own way and make being healthy feel easy and intuitive instead of stressful and overwhelming. Next up this Thursday, June 21st is Eating for Vibrant Energy, all about which foods are sapping your energy and which ones to add for an immediate energy boost. You'll also learn my simple foolproof way to identify your personal energy foods and five non-food ways to increase energy, including the single most overlooked reason for low energy. And it's totally free. So consider this your personal invitation to join in. Visit laradolch.com slash workshops to save your spot for this and future workshops. That's laradolch.com slash workshops. So where do you, you know, you talked earlier about being inside a lot and how that was challenging and not mm-hmm. moving a lot. Are there other things, other areas of, of self-care or however you want to frame that, that you struggle with in particular? Um, that's probably the main one because when it's warm here, I go hiking as much as I can and I just try to be outside. And when I travel besides food, the thing I love most is just walking and I can walk and walk and I never get tired of it. So it's like, I'm trying to put that in my camel hump. So maybe it'll like extend when I get back to work. I think those are the main things. And actually maybe a little of, I struggle with my move from extrovert to more introverted because I think I'm mourning myself as a former fully extrovert. Like I had a moment this weekend where I went back to my college town and I was hanging out with friends and there was this kind of all day party and day drinking, which I don't do really (laughs) anymore. And like at five o'clock, I was like, I'm done. And everybody else stayed out till one in the morning. And I went home, which was new to me to break away and go. That was actually like, wow, I'm doing what I actually want to do instead of staying and pretending I'm having a good time. So I was like, yay, I won. And but then (laughs) I started kind of going into a little bit of a spiral of like, I'm not fun. I'm not cool. Everybody's more fun and cool than me. And I struggled with that. And so that's something with the self-care that I struggle with is just like being okay with who I am and not thinking that I'm not as good as I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, because it does, it changes over the course of your life. And, you know, one of the things that I work with clients on is understanding, having the tools to be able to adjust, right? So to always be able to tune into yourself, to your body, whatever it is, to figure out those things. And yeah, to like, to just honor that. And and it's, it is hard sometimes because yeah. everyone else is telling you that you should be doing something else. So I think that's awesome. I love that you've gotten to that place where, yes, you might still struggle with it, mm-hmm. but you're still making the choice that feels good to you. Yeah. And nobody was giving me a hard time. It was all my problem. Right. And it's, right. it's like developing a confidence around 
my own decisions for myself. Because yeah, it's in the end you hear people like nobody really cares what you're doing. No. No, they're all they're all everyone's all thinking about themselves. Yeah. The time. That's yeah. terrible, but it's true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> so like I need to think better about myself in those situations. Well, yeah, what does actually sort of zooming back out a little bit, what does being well mean to you at this point in your life? Like what is what is that definition for you? I think I'm I'm kind of thinking about that a lot at this time of my life. I'm 38. Maybe that's some kind of transitional point. But um, yeah, I guess with like working out not only for vanity is maybe a different part of being well, where I'm like, I don't want to be old and sick. And I want to be able to go travel and walk around like my mom is 70 and she's in amazing shape and she walks everywhere. And it's like, I want to be like that. I want to have my mom's calves when I'm 70. (laughs) So kind of that kind of wellness. And and with doing yoga, I think about that too, is just staying really stretched out so that I don't have pain, like kind of being proactive before you feel pain to avoid it in the first place. With eating, it's a little bit hard in a way. Also with the identity thing, like I'm somebody who almost hangs my hat on like, I'll eat anything. I can eat a lot. (laughs) You know, burritos were my thing for a long time, but now I want to be healthier and I want to be more fit. And so sometimes it's hard to let go of some of those foods, not permanently because I eat whatever I want, you know, in moderation, but it's hard for me to say no sometimes because I'm like, I I don't want to feel bad after I eat this but I want to eat it. (laughs) So how do you say, so how do you say no? And when do you not say no? Hmm. That's a good question. Cause I have one friend who I feel like peer pressures me. She's like, come on, eat it. (laughs) Like every day's a pie eating contest. I'm like, leave me alone. (laughs) I think I don't know. I'm kind of working on it. I, I struggle with it. Like yesterday I forced myself to eat a salad because I was in Northern California, which is where I'm from. And when I go home, I eat a ton of burritos because I don't love the ones up here. Yeah, so it's like thing. I'd eaten already two burritos and four tacos. And I was like, <laughs> I, I have to stop. But I wanted another burrito so bad. But it's just like I give myself a pep talk. I tell myself, you've eaten a lot in your past and you're going to eat a lot in your future. And you've eaten a lot of good food. Just chill, man. Like every meal <laughs> doesn't have to be the greatest meal. Like sometimes you just have to take a step down and do something. I have to do this in my head. Yeah. And then I had a salad. And did you feel better? I did. <laughs> yes. I did. I felt really good. But then when I got off the plane, I told my boyfriend, like, take me straight to an ice cream sundae. <laughs> and then we did. And then, like, when I was laying in bed, I go, I, was, I wasn't even hungry. Why did I? I just wanted hot fudge. So I have to sometimes fight against myself of, like, what do you want versus are you even hungry? Yeah. Well, and I think when you're someone who loves food, you know, I... My whole thing is, and I think I said this somewhere in an email or something, that, you know, savoring food that you love yeah. is, to me, that's part of being well. I mean, yeah. the, that, the pleasure that you get out of food and just making sure that you're consciously eating it. Like, yeah. I feel like if you're doing that, no matter what you're eating, it's healthy in my view. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Yeah. The just paying it, like not reading the back of a cereal box, not being on your phone, not watching something. Yeah. Yeah. I had a realization because when I was in my 20s and I didn't make very much money at all and I didn't get to go out to eat very much, when I would go out to eat, I would really savor everything. It's like I'd put a piece of sushi in my mouth. I'm like, oh my God, I'd close my eyes. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I'm just going to spend 70 bucks on a Tuesday night for dinner and just like hork it down. And I'm like, I yeah. have to stop. Like, I think there's something in restricting yourself so that you can find the enjoyment again. Yeah. Not that I don't enjoy it, but you kind of get used to eating well. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like you need to back away a little so it's 
more enjoyable. No, I think that's right. I mean, even I do that, even though here I am like you know, encouraging my clients to eat more mindfully and I fall into that trap too. But yeah, like the, the moments where I do remember to step back, it's just such a different experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a like physiological perspective, like you're full, like you can actually notice when you're full. Like there are lots of yeah. health, actual, actual health reasons to do it too. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, if that stuff is not particularly motivating, I, I personally focus on just the extra awesomeness that it brings to the experience of eating whatever I'm eating. I've been cooking more at home too, which I love cooking, but I just generally seem to go out because when you live in a city and there's so many restaurants, people, just the social thing is just to go out to eat. And so at this point, it's more fun for me and more exciting to eat at somebody's house than it is to go to a restaurant. So I try to take advantage of that. And I feel like you always eat healthier at home because there's not as much butter and salt. Totally. Yeah. You just have more control over it. What's your, what's your specialty besides the almond cake that you mentioned? Oh, well, let's see. I make spaghetti and meatballs kind of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my, cause I don't need a recipe. Um, but my favorite summer dish, I was just talking about this yesterday. You know, you can get anything, any time of year. It doesn't matter if it's in season. We're just used to having, you know, avocados year round. But the one thing you can't get is peaches. You can only get them in the summer. Yes, totally. And there's something that I make that I learned. There's an amazing cooking school in Seattle called The Pantry. I yes, love. I just took my first class there. Isn't it the ago. best? Because I can't. Because they sell out so quickly, you got to like do. jump on it. You do. What <laughs> class did you take? It was a uh, um, exploring Normandy. So it was French cooking. It was amazing. And they, I love that because it's like, they do these really specific niche. It's not just French food. It's right, Normandy. Normandy. Exactly. Yeah. They narrow in. So I'd taken a, a grilling class. And so something I love to make is you get really good bread, cut it thick, um, ideally grill it on the barbecue, like with charcoal and then thick layer of ricotta, a drizzle of olive oil and balsamic reduction. I just buy that squeeze one from Trader Joe's that they have. That's really good. <laughs> love um, sea salt and pepper. And then slices of peach and then slices of those really, really sweet yellow tomatoes that you get at the farmer's market and then basil and mint on top. And that to me is summer and it's so delicious. That sounds amazing. It's really good. (laughs) I gotta write it down when I listen back to the recording. (laughs) And it's like assembly rather than cooking, which is nice in the summer. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or anytime, really. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of meal assembly. Yeah. That's amazing. So what's on your sort of top, I'll call it Spotify list because that's what I listen to, but what's on your Spotify or playlist for when you want to feel energized and when you want to feel calm? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. I don't, I just got Spotify, but I always forget to use it. Let's see. <laughs> I know. I do too. And I just got upgraded to like, they had like a, you know, premium for 99 cents. Yeah. Months. I'm like, sure, I'll do that. And then yeah. I forget to listen to it. Yeah, I know. 99 cents down the drain. <laughs> You'll <laughs> never get that back. I know. Um, Let's see. I read this article and I fall right into this. I don't know if you do too. It said like when you get into like your early 30s, you basically time freezes of your musical tastes and you mostly <laughs> listen to the music from the best time of your life, which is totally true for me. And then it said if you have children, when they get to be preteen, you start to really come around again because they start feeding you new music and then your music huh. taste expands. But anyway, so I listen to the same stuff I've been listening to since my 20s. I love Nico Case. I love Wilco. I love this band called The Mother Hips. I listen to Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers a lot. Yeah, those have kind of been, it's like I listen to the same stuff over and over. <laughs> I still listen to Elliot Smith. That's kind of like one of my chill, chill music. I don't yeah, listen to a lot of super energetic music. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is what I like. So I have a record player and I mostly only listen to old stuff on it. And it's like mostly $2 or under 
records I can find. I've been really into Huey Lewis in the news. Nice. Like that classic album. What's it called? Sports. Oh gosh, I don't remember. And then Hollow Notes, the greatest hits. This is like my pump up music. <laughs> Except for Sarah Smile, which I love that. That song has the weirdest opening line. Nobody ever <laughs> remembers this. It's the first line of that song is baby's hair with a woman's eyes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. It's a little scary. Yeah. But yeah, for chill music, I listen to, yeah, like Nico Case and like Mellow Wilco. Nice. Are there other things that you do to like boost your energy when you need to? I drink a lot of water because I don't drink caffeine. And if I'm tired, if I chug water, it gives me energy. It really works. Nice. That's yeah. a good reminder for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the, it's the first thing I do when I wake up. Big yeah. glass of water. It's like my security blanket. If I don't have it, I feel nervous. I know. Me too. I, it's, I, I sometimes, w- I wonder if that's okay. But me I'm, too. I'm, <laughs> me too. And then like, it's like, now I'm like, I was talking about that water bottle earlier. It's like, I'm obsessed with water. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's so funny that you say that because I was uh, I was traveling in Southeast Asia. This was like six years ago. And I, you know, in Southeast Asia, like, you know, or I, I was in Bali and like the water, the clean water is harder to come by. Right. Yeah. So you refill your bottle at this restaurant that I used to eat at. And one day I was like, maybe I don't need as much water as I think I do because I was having to like ration it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I had to yeah. sort of think of it differently. And it anyway, random side. No, it's true. Because, yeah, in it. those countries, you notice how much you're drinking because you have to keep that's right. Either buying bottles or filling them up and you really start to notice your intake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but no, I have the same affliction with the with the water. I'm like, if I don't have water nearby or like, mm-hmm. I also for a long time thought that I needed to snack more than I do. And I oh. ran a little, like I like, <laughs> always had food with me. And yeah. then I like read a little experiment and I was like, what would happen if I didn't have a morning snack? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Not I mean, actually imagine hungry. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, we all, we all fall into these traps and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, the experiments are for me, that's sort of the key to figuring it all out. Just sure. awareness then. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It yeah. all comes back to that awareness. And and it's and it sounds like you're in a, a really good place with that. I love that. What what would you put on your sort of top three uh self-care list? You know, what were the what are your top three non-negotiables that you absolutely must have every day? Ooh, every day. Um, every day. <laughs> I was gonna let's see. Uh hmm. I'll have to edit this. I'll have to think about okay. it. Well, I used to be really good about keeping in touch with friends. I was the person who would always call all the time. And I've let that go actually out of self-care because I would do it in the car all the time. And now when I leave work, I don't want to talk to anybody. So I need to have my, if I don't have an alone day, I have to have quiet time in the car. Um, I don't listen to things often when I exercise, like even when I just walk around Green Lake because I have headphones on all day. And then it's like, we're listening to podcasts or radio. And it's like, when do you have time to come up with your own thought? Like you have to think and we're constantly just listening to stuff. So I try not to listen to things. Even if I like walk around town, I just try to, I like eavesdropping on people's conversations (laughs) a lot, but I walk so fast that I can't stay with them. I'm always like, oh, what do I do? Do I walk faster? or Do I go slow so I can hear what they're talking about? So I guess like these little breaks of alone time and quiet Let's see other self care. I I like to sleep, so I do try to good. go to sleep on a reasonable hour. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's hard for every day. Yeah, because I guess like on a weekly basis, I would say like the yoga, the alone time, mm-hmm. and actually. 
going to the farmer's market for me by myself because I think it's so pretty. And if I walk with someone, I don't get to look at everything. And I just like to see all the color and the beauty and everything is just so pretty at the Ballard Farmer's Market, especially. Yes, that's my favorite. Yeah, I love it. What happens when you don't get those things like as far as how you show up in your work and in your personal life what what happens I do get cranky and (laughs) and um Ron and Don are very the show that I'm on the talk show I'm on there they have noticed that I am much better after vacation so we've actually I was always the one that was adamant I take two weeks off every year to go abroad and they would never take all of their vacation which is such a classic American thing and theirs is out of fear too like they have their names on a talk show and it's like if I take my vacation am I going to lose my slot or am I going to lose listeners and it's like Really? Like for two weeks, you think the whole ship's going to go down? And so in recent years, they have been and and they say it's kind of like modeled on watching me a little bit like they take their vacations and it's very new to go away for extended period of time, because I don't think that you can fully refresh from a long weekend or even a week. I think you need two full weeks to be completely like your brain just resets. And I just feel like I'm just like walking on a cloud. Oh, feels so good. Well, especially with all the technology that we're plugged into now, it does. I agree with you. It takes, I mean, it takes me a good three or four days to even, to, for my brain to shush. Yes. And if you don't <laughs> you know? use social media for that long, oh, it feels so good. It's so like, good. Because then when I go back on, I actually get feel very strong negative feelings. I yes. realize what I was getting the whole time, which is being jealous of other people. That's a big one. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? Where are they? What do they do? Their life's better than mine. Like, that's huge. People complaining on social media. It's like, ugh, I don't want to hear. It's just, it's so nice not to have that. Well, and it sounds like even just aside from the fact that it feels good, you perform better in your work. Yeah. When you do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think we we lose sight of that. So Mm -hmm. what's next for you, Rachel? Well, what are you excited about? Oh, just in general? (laughs) Yeah, just in general. Life, work, whatever. Um, I'm really excited for summer. Because I'm just waiting for the snow to melt because it's such a tease in Seattle because we've had this really warm weather and then the mountains are still covered with snow so you can't hike most of them yet. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to Banff in, in August for the first time to Lake Louise. and Oh, fun. I've heard that's beautiful. Beautiful place in Canada. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I have. I guess I have four camping trips planned. That's like what I'm excited about right now is just going camping and hiking. Nice. I'm impressed. I'm I'm not hiking. I'm down with camping. It's never been my thing. So it's not for I w- everyone. I know, but I kind of wish that because I love being outdoors. Yeah. I just, you know what it is? Bugs. Bugs love me. Oh, they love me. There's a lot of places that don't have that many bugs, yeah, though. That's what I need. Because I get bit a lot, too. And in Washington, when it's still kind of like cool, like you don't. Yeah. yeah. Don't go near water. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Yeah. No bugs. Yeah. That's a good what thing. are you excited about? What's coming up for you? What am I excited about? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm not used to interviewing an interviewer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really turn the tables on you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm excited about the summer too. I feel like it's going to be a nice, a good one in terms of weather. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, I have some vacations planned. I'm going to visit um, a friend who very graciously invited me to join them in Martha's Vineyard where I have never been. I know. It's so fancy. Yeah. When someone invites you to Martha's Vineyard, you say yes. Yes. It feels very sex in the city because that's my reference still, even though the show's been off the air for a decade. Well, and I lived in New York City during the entire run of that show. (gasps) You did? So yeah, it is my... In many ways, my Mm -hmm. cultural reference point. You couldn't help but wonder. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. But yeah, so I'm excited about that. And my family's coming out to visit. And yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good summer. Yeah. Yeah. We just bought a pizza oven for the roof, which was like surprisingly affordable and very tiny because I rent. So I'm excited about making pizza all summer. We're having a pizza party on Thursday. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Gets up to 930 degrees. That's a little scary. Yeah. That's how you make the good pizza. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. So where can people learn more about you and your work? Oh, I have so many links. I know. Um, <laughs> if you want to listen to the podcast, you can just search it on iTunes or go to yourlastmealpodcast.com. On Instagram, yourlastmealpodcast. I'm on Facebook. It's Hello Rachel Bell. I have a personal website that hasn't been updated in four years. It doesn't include like some of the things I'm most proud of. So whatever. It's hellorachelbell.com. My radio work. This is crazy. It's just like... <laughs> My radio work is at mynorthwest.com slash Rachel Bell. And there's an E on the end of Bell. That's, you can just Google it. Yeah, name. just Google it. I'll yeah. put them on the show notes too. Yeah, so. all that stuff. Yeah, and definitely I have to put yet another plug in for your last meal, especially if you're into food like Thanks. Rachel and I are. It's so fun. Thank Super you. Fun. Yeah. What would your last meal be? Oh my gosh. How did I not prepare for that question? Nobody ever. No one has ever hard. prepared. Somehow, what just popped into my head, though, was mac and cheese, which is yeah. such a cliche answer. But like, it's good. It's so good. It's so good. And it would be with like, you know, like four different cheeses, like the hardcore mac and cheese. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like real stringy. Yes. That's what I like. Yeah. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with like crumbles on top of some kind, like crunchy. I don't know what they are. Oh, breadcrumbs? Yeah. Maybe just breadcrumbs. Yeah. Panko or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Oh, I want that now. <laughs> It's lunchtime. It is lunchtime. Thank you so much. Thank for you this. for having me. This is really fun. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit laradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont neighborhoods, and a third location in West LA with more locations coming soon. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's C-O, slash Women on the Rise for a special offer for Women on the Rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash Women on the Rise.